Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Well, we are without Brittany Bodie today, so I am flying solo, but really, really excited to chat business with two gentlemen that I have here. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about recession resistance, you guys. It's a word that continues to come up in my conversations. And I think so many times our clients are asking us, well, I need something recession resistance. And traditionally, the conversations that we were having around this were home service-based businesses, business to business. And that's where people really felt like recession resistance began and ended. But so many of our clients now are exploring other industries. And I can tell you that there are there really is nowhere that I could cut if I had to cut kids' sports. In our family, that would be the very last thing to go. I'd be cleaning the toilets, mowing the lawn, giving up on my Botox before I would be cutting sports for our kids. And so it is my pleasure to introduce a basketball brand. You know, if you listen to this podcast, we are a basketball family. That is our number one sport. We are so excited to have M14 Hoops today. We have Torn Otis, Director of Development for Franchise Fastlane, and Matt Miller, Founder and CEO of M14 Hoops. Thank you guys so much for joining Thank us today. Having. Thank you. Yeah, Sam, I think Maxwell would be a, a little bit unhappy, to put it lightly, if you try to take hoops away from him. Oh, I, I wouldn't even want to know the wrath, but I would love to see what the odometer in my car would look like. I'd probably be putting on about 5,000 less miles a year <laughs> if, we, if we cut basketball and 10,000 if we cut baseball. So I think we definitely, that would be the only benefit, but we love it. I love it. I love so much more than just the physical side of it. I love the mental side and we'll get into all of that. But Torn, you have kind of a unique background that led you to franchising. You didn't just start here. Could you just start by telling us a little bit about how you ended up working for Franchise Fastlane? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a broadcasting background by trade. So as I sit here and make sure that I'm in the middle, my head position looks right, I've got the good lighting, all of that <laughs> in terms of, of, of the background that I have. I worked at a sports software company uh, called Huddle for seven and a half years after that. I never really wanted to do news. I wanted to do like play-by-play -play and color commentary, but there's not really a career path for that, similar to there's not a career path for basketball skills training. So I went down the broadcast route, took the first job out of college because I thought it was a mistake to turn down any job once you graduate school. Happened to be in news. Reporting was fun. Being an anchor was fun, but I never wanted to do the day-to-day -day grind of everything that, that went into that. Um, and with that being the case, probably wasn't going to work out. Loved it. Great experience. Sports has kind of always been my life. So I went to Huddle for seven and a half years. Uh, a buddy of mine from college that also works at Fastlane, uh, we transferred to Nebraska together. He transferred again to continue playing ball. My uh, glory days of hoops were done. So when I was transitioning out, talked to him, there was an opportunity open at Fastlane. Uh, have been with Fastlane for the last nine, almost 10 months now. Um, and can't wait to, to get going with M14 Hoops here. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's never linear. You never take the path that you think you're going to take. And as you're planning your life out and going to college and doing all the things you're supposed to do, nobody ever could predict what could possibly happen. Yeah. So, Matt, I would love to hear more about your background and what led you to launch M14. Uh, yeah, so I'm originally right outside uh, from Chicago. Um Basketball has always been part of my life. So played college ball, uh, played professionally in England, uh, Bosnia, Germany, and for Rwanda's national team. Um, for me, that kind of middle 20s, late 20 phase was really just trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. Uh, was surely not going to retire off of basketball, right? And so um, I knew I didn't want to be a basketball coach um, at that time. And we're talking about 14 years ago. Um, being a basketball trainer just really didn't exist. That wasn't a, a, a job. That wasn't a path. That wasn't a career. Um, but I just loved being in player development, right? I was always in the gym. I'd always work with kids. So I, I moved back home. Um, and as my career was ending, um, I just started working with kids, right? And I just started to um, create my own lane in basketball development. 
it's so crazy how passions become these massive national businesses. And we hear it from franchisors all the time that it's really more about waking, making a way for yourself is how it typically starts and what you want to do and how it can serve the community. And then national brands are really built that way. Now, M14 is a name that we've been talking about a lot in our office, our consultants. We've been sharing this with clients because as it turns out, a lot of people like basketball and there's not a lot of basketball brands out there. Sure. So, Torin, if you could tell us a little bit about what is M14 Hoops for those people that are listening that haven't heard about it. What is it? What do you do? Yeah, I love this question. It's going to be a little bit intimidating answering this with the founder and CEO <laughs> on this. So I'm going to make sure that Matt piggybacks off of of anything that I miss. But at the same time, I think the beauty of what M14 is, is it's simply basketball skills and development as a business, right? That's what has been missing in in the world and business right now. I, I love this quote. I can't remember. I think it was from one of our newest franchisees, actually. He said, our client base is already out there. Basketball is the number one youth sport. There's a bunch of guys and gals that are young that love basketball and want to play and get better. There's a bunch of guys like me out there that finished playing ball, whether it was high school or college, that would have loved to have had a career in basketball but there aren't any businesses like this out there, right? So enter M14 Hoops. We're not redefining basketball, but through Matt's experiences, both in, in two ways, folks that know basketball know there's, there's the American game, we'll call it, that's much more focused on individual skill at its, at its core, which, which is great. Problem is basketball, you got five guys on a court, so how does that translate into the game and, and with the team, right? FIBA and the global game, is much more about the team and skill side of things. And so through Matt and his experiences, he's meshed together both games. And then on top of that has de developed a curriculum, right? I think the concern that, that candidates have is like, okay, so how does this thing work? Well, you're going to rent facilities that are out there, right? We're not coming in. We're not expecting you to build what you see behind me. We're not expecting you to sign a long-term lease or anything like that. There's a bunch of facilities out there that are looking for, folks like our candidates to come and use them. Yeah, during basketball season, they're busy. But what about March through August when they're trying to get volleyball and pickleball and shuffleboard and all these different activities in there because they don't have a business that can, they can take advantage and use those. So we're just simply taking advantage of facilities that are out there. We're looking for the plenty of talent that is out there to ultimately run our business. And that's guys and gals that love basketball that maybe don't want to coach but they want to work with kids and ultimately help kids get better at hoops. You said a few things that are so interesting to me. Number one is the lack of brick and mortar to begin with. I think that's what's so daunting when you think about starting a business, particularly basketball. You sure. know, there's, you can play outside, you know, you shared with us, Matt, you're from Chicago. I live in Madison most of the year. You don't play outside in December. In the winter. So, okay. Yeah, not yeah. great. So yeah. people always think that they have to build a facility. The sure. lack of brick and mortar makes it so much more accessible, such a really a faster time to ROI. Mm -hmm. And the appetite of the buyer is so much stronger. You can get more territory because you don't have to open these massive arenas to be able to do this. And you're right, Torrin. There are facilities everywhere. There's churches, there's schools, there's all of these places. I think of all of the weird places that we've practiced basketball in the leagues that my kids have been a part of. It's like bonkers if they can find four rims, they go in and they'll play. So yeah. it's it's interesting that you guys have identified that. And then the other thing is the curriculum, because any parent that is listening to this has definitely paid for some kind of sports camp or training or something. And there's zero direction, zero guidance. You're out 500 bucks and your kid is coming in and, and probably having things that they have to now undo instead of coming back with a skill set that is helpful. So sure. I love that there's a built-in curriculum. So Matt, as you built this out and as you kind of took your skill set as a player and not necessarily wanting to be a coach, but wanting to help other players, why this segment? What made you focus on a business and really want to build this as the first national brand in basketball? Yeah, I think honesty is the best way to go about answering questions, right? I, I was yes. 26 and this was not the plan. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of that. You know, I mean, I didn't know we were going to do all this, right? It, it, it really evolved. And that's, I think that's the cool thing about it, that 
you know, the innocence and in how I started this, right, was, I mean, I'm 40 now, right? So I'm 26. There was no industry, right? There were no people that were making money in it. So I didn't start this because I didn't even know you could make money in it, right? It wasn't that I didn't think that money, I just didn't know there was no example, right? And so I just got a kid in a, in a, in a cone because that was truly the passion, right? That was truly what I wanted to do. So then you start to go down this rabbit hole where like, hey, I'm working with this kid and, and we're in the gym and they're not doing it in the game. Right. And the whole thing and that birthed the whole phrase that we say that training has to translate. So from there, you start to go on like, OK, well, I need another person from them to go against because the cone's not moving. All right. So now we need to go on a group stuff because now it starts to be like, well, these private instructions start costing much. They start adding up. Right. So now if we go group, maybe, hey, that's a little bit less you know, financial outlay for the parent, because in order to get better at something, you got to do it a bunch of times. Right. So I didn't want necessarily money to be that blocker in order to do it. So we go to groups. It's more dollars on the hour. It's less for the parent. It's better for the player. Right. And then all of a sudden from there, you step up into the academy model where, you know, it, it the segment or, or the division of the players and the genders got even tighter. Right. So now we didn't have third through 12th grade. Now we're talking about just having third and fourth grade. Now we're just talking about fifth and sixth. Now we're just talking about seven, eight. So there's not a high variance in the group that they're training with. Right. And so my whole point was this whole thing got built driving through the player. Right. And what was the best thing for the player? And we still make those decisions based on that. We say keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is the kids. And what's going to be the best for them is ultimately what's going to be best for the business. Right. So in essence, when you start building these things and now you start growing, well, now I got to hire some people. Well, I've never hired anybody before. So I read the Harvard Book of Management Training Toolbox. Right. And so I read that and figure out how to do an interview. Like, OK, so we figure that stuff out. But now it's like, hey, I'm on court one with this group. Nick or Bobby's on court two. How do I know that they're doing the stuff that I want them to do? Right. And I happen to be very uh, uptight <laughs> about quality. So now I was like, well, I got some great advice that you got to write it down. All right. So what are we doing from the from the parking lot all the way to the end of the session? Right. Like, hey, are we are you get your music up or do you have to have your shoes laced when you walked in? What shirt do you have to wear? What do, when do we greet players? Do we wait for them on the corner or are we meeting them at the door? Like, do you know their name? Like all of these things I started to have to write down and kind of copy the things that I was doing. Right. Because I just was doing it because I thought that was the right thing that you should do. Right. And so then behold, all of a sudden now you have a manual. Now you started to create these systems. Right. And now all of a sudden what that started to do unknowingly was like I was able to scale from one court to the next court and be able to keep the quality consistent. So then from there, it just starts going from there, just deeper and deeper into more of the systems that we started to create. Because at a certain point, I did start realizing what was going on. It's like, OK, wait a minute now. Is <laughs> it showed up like, all right, man, we got to really start picking up some books and reading. We got to really start doing a deeper dive. But my point is this started really just wanting kids to be able to get as much from the game as I did. And they needed to be able to do these things in the game because that was the only reason parents were coming to me in the first place. I love that you hit the fundamentals, right? I think so many times in basketball, I can't tell you how many times I've heard my son's coach say, I don't care how many three-pointers you can shoot as a nine-year-old. If you if you miss a bunny, it's over. Like you, sure. that is the fundamentals. Sure. You took the fundamentals of what you were fantastic at and broke it down, brought it to a manual, got granular and said, this is what's important. Where are we greeting people? And those are the difference makers. And that's what franchisees need is they truly need the playbook sure. that you all have created. Yeah. Because that's where the success is coming from is those little things that so many times I think when you're starting a business as a business owner, you do those things naturally because it's your business and that's the level sure. of ownership you have. Sure. But when you break down what's special, that's really it. It's all of those little tiny things. You guys have grown now from two corporate locations in Illinois. You're starting to franchise across the United States. Now, what was the catalyst for that? What really made you say, this is a national brand. This isn't a Midwest thing. This isn't a Chicago thing. This is a national brand and hopefully someday an international brand. Yeah. So I think the whole thing about it is like it, it steps, right? Like I here locally, I built my own facility, right? And I decided to do that on my own. And so I use this as a, you know, kind of as an analogy. So going from no facility to four courts was like, okay, but that was the next step. I couldn't like, I bought enough land to go to six, but I was like, man, I can't do six. Like, <laughs> and so when you got into four, you were like, no, I think we could do six. And then, so you go do it. So my point is in saying that 
the steps that it took from working with that player and trying to figure out how to translate in the game. Okay, hey, you grow. Now how do I make sure that everybody is getting the quality that they deserve, that they should get, right? So that starts to build this culture around it. Now we start having this staff development stuff, and now we have to get certifications going because now we have to be able to provide a vehicle to teach people how to deliver the service. All right, cool. Now we have to really narrow down in on and continue to innovate with the game, right, from a player development standpoint. Okay, so now that starts to grow and starts to go, and you're like, well, maybe we could do this somewhere else. And so it's like, all right, you got to get some some courage, right? I mean, I'm I'm very honest with this stuff, man. Like things in business, people want to take it to P&Ls and balance safe. Like I get all that stuff, man. But the fact that you took some basketball thing and wanted to just drop somebody off in Indy, who was your first <laughs> Like, yo, that took some courage, man, because his wife was pregnant. His daughter was still here. He had to live with his his aunt and his uncle, his wife's aunt and uncle. You know why Nick, when I dropped him off in India, and if you don't know Mr. Basketball for the last 30 years in Indianapolis, they won't let you in the state. <laughs> so I dropped him off and was like, here's the blueprint. Go build it. Because for me, before we were going to scale this out bigger, let's go in a really, really tough market, extremely competitive Here's the blueprint. You're far enough away where nobody knows who I am. They don't know what the brand is. They've never heard of this before. We don't have a lot of connections there at all, to be quite honest with you. I just know it's it's a tough market to be in. That's yeah. the one we want to be in because I'm a competitor. So let's go, right? And so now you look at it eight years later, he's on his second territory, about to be in his third, and we're the number one option in that area, right? So along that process, you start realizing like, well, wait a minute, man. You know, obviously we're growing here. You're talking to more people. The basketball community is not that big. You're out at tournaments. You're seeing people and you keep on hearing the same things no matter where they're from. And so you start saying like, well, wait a minute, maybe we got something here that maybe can get to other places because I just don't think that the parents in my area were exactly the same ones in Indianapolis. And those are the only two sets of parents that were like that nationally. Right. So so you start to put that stuff together and then you start to look around and you're like, well, I don't see a lot of businesses. I see a lot of trainers. But I don't see a lot of training businesses. And when I say this, because money is always a taboo when you're talking about youth sports, I don't mean money, money, money. Obviously, we have to make money. That's the only reason a business exists. Right. But what I mean is a set of systems and processes to solve problems. Right. That's a business. If we can have these repeatable systems to continue to solve these things, then maybe we can put this someplace else. Maybe we could put that someplace else. So my point is, as this thing continued to grow, I got a bigger vantage point i got more that i could see and started to be able to recognize that no this is an opportunity that we could help more players nationally i like that you picked indy i think what you said about that um my husband is a hoosier and the community the indiana basketball community oh, man, is incredibly strong and that was so strategic to say that if we can go in there and if we can make it there because everybody has this thought in their community, right? Well, there's this and there's this and there's this. Right. How do we compete with it? How do we get in? Right. But differentiation is massive. And you hit the nail on the head. The systems and the support, because so many trainers are winging it with their, Absolutely. because they're exceptional at a sport. They're exceptional at a sport, but they may not be exceptional at planning. <laughs> Well, here's what I tell parents in a parent means. I always say this one. I'm like, hey, raise your hand if you've ever flown in a plane. Everybody raise their hand. I'm like, you've done it two times, three times. Everybody's confused. They keep their hand up. I'm like, all right, how many of you guys ever built one? And everybody hands dropping like, okay, so just because you played doesn't mean that you can build a player. No more than it means that just because you flew a plane, you can build one. Those are two different skill sets, right? And so it helps people understand that because there is no degree to get in this. Right. You can't do surgery on somebody unless you go to med school, but you go be a basketball trainer. Right. Doesn't matter. Right. And so that is a good thing because I benefited from that. So I'm not going to sit here and bash that. But it also is a bad thing because you don't know who's in front of your kid. And the only way you can validate that is by their own personal basketball background. Right. And that's not the full thing. <laughs> that's not the no. full story. Right. Just because they were good. I don't mean that they're going to be good communicating with your kid. Right. That doesn't mean they, they can they can positively reinforce. That doesn't mean they can hold them accountable. That doesn't mean they've studied body language, communication, tonality. They ain't done none of that. Right. They're just doing the same thing that they were taught. And that's the first phase in a philosophy that I wrote on a trainer's progression. The first thing they're going to do is regurgitate. Right. Like I'm just going to teach everything that I was taught and then I'm going to go. And usually you end up doing that and then you become a victim of your own success. A lot of people think this is about like, oh, well, they're not good. That's why you're better. No, they are pretty good. People do come back. That's your problem. 
now you're going to fail under the weight of your own success. Because what do you do now when all of a sudden you have 11 kids? Now you got to hire somebody. Do you know how to hire somebody? Do you know how to handle all these? Are you going to pick up the book and read it? Are you going to do the work that it takes? Because now you've entered into business. You're not talking about basketball no more. Right. And so that that leap is not something that, unfortunately, I don't say this bragging. It's embarrassing. Right. And, and I don't like this part of it where you got people that the game needs, but they don't have any guidance. And so that we could benefit from them still being involved in the game if you could just point that energy in the right direction. That's really powerful because not everybody should be a trainer. Not everybody should be a coach. Not everybody should be a surgeon. Not everybody can build oh. airplanes. And certainly I do. I love that analogy that you gave because I was thinking I was following where you were headed with that. But I'm like, <laughs> I would never, I'm on planes like once a week. I would never build a plane, sir. Right. <laughs> and so, and right. if we learned anything during the pandemic, it's trying to teach my kids. I had a kinder, my son was in kindergarten when the pandemic started. I'm like, well, I know how to read, but I certainly cannot teach this person right. how to read. Skill set, right. was, Absolutely. It's a totally different skill set. Right. And speaking of totally different skill sets, franchise fastlane brings on a totally different skill set that a lot of times franchisors, the blind spot is, I always used to joke, and I'm, as a franchise fastlane alum, franchisors went one of two ways. It was either we want to get this brand out there nationally, and sometimes that's the blinder. And they forget that these are representatives of your brand in local markets. So you need to be picky mm -hmm. or it would be like they were trying to have somebody marry their young daughter. Like, OK, well, this no, not quite right. Like a little bit. Did you notice there was just yeah. a little bit of stuff wrong with them? And right. franchise Fastlane, I, in my opinion, does the best job in the business of vetting franchisees for brands by immersing themselves in the brands that they represent mm -hmm. and doing a really good job of matching the people there. So Torn, could you just get a little bit into what role you and Franchise Vaseline play with M14? What exactly do you guys do? Yeah, I, I think the first thing I'll follow up on is what you said, and, and Matt will be able to attest to this, is I have tried to immerse and douse myself mm -hmm, sure. in M14, right? He's probably had a too, many, too many calls and emails for me, but for me, it's one, it's the love of basketball, which translate into my love for M14 hoops, right? So we do our best, and I'm trying my damnest to do the best that I can to learn all the ins and outs of the M14 way, because I, I love the way that Matt puts this. It's going to go slower than you want and faster than you can manage at some point. And that's, I think, where we come into play. And some of that, and, and my draw to the industry was like, yeah, there's a sales aspect to it and money and this and that. But for me, it's the, it's the relationships. It's the networking. And the benefit that Fastlane has, similar to the M14 way. M14 isn't about Matt Miller. Yeah, he started it, but it's about the systems and processes that he has put in place to get all these other locations to run the same way that he did. For me, I'm just another guy coming in to execute on the fast lane way, which is through the strength of the knowledge of our brands, the relationships that we have with you and the franchisors and the consultant and the different networks that are out there, because that's the advantage that we have that the franchisors don't. The relationships, the partnerships, we have the blessings of you sending us the candidates that are most interested in this, and then we get to take them through the process. But in the end, we got to make sure that it's the right fit. And we're going to get them to map to make sure that that's the case. You guys do a good job of educating us too. And we'll get into that in a minute on what type of person you want from us. Because I think we think kids sports businesses and a novice would immediately go, we had just people with kids that like sports. Like that's a great match. And I think we all know that that's actually not a great match <laughs> a lot of the times. And sometimes you have your own blind spots there. So Matt, kids sports are highly competitive. There are a lot of options for parents. I know we're continually inundated with things that we can do to give our kids a leg up mm -hmm. from the competition. What sets M14 apart, in your opinion, from competitors that are going to be in the market, whether it's basketball or different sports or anything that you can think of? What really sets you apart? Yeah, I, I think it's I, I hate to use the word business right but when i'm talking about let's if we're adopting that definition that i'm saying right just a set of systems that can solve some problems repeatedly i think that's the thing that really sets us apart right and so 
How do you peel that back? What does that look like? Okay, well, from the, let's just talk about the three characters, parent, staff, player, right? Player standpoint, uh, the system that we created, um, the first thing that we have to do is make sure that we make the seventh grade team, right? Because that's school team. That's generally for public school. That's usually the first time you could try out, right? The next thing we want you to get ready for is June of eighth grade, because that's when the varsity coaches are watching who's my incoming freshman. Once you get to high school, I want you to play meaningful, impactful minutes. Cool. From there, we took all the moves off the dribble, uh, creating space, attack moves, finishing moves, all the moves under those headings and ascribing to a grade level. Right. And so what that ends up doing is creating some accountability where now you, mom or dad can say, hey, what did we get? What are we getting? What are we going to learn? We can actually articulate that to you and not be vague because that's a law that we have here. Like you can't give vague answers. Right. But what it does also is it's dynamic enough because your son might be an all star. Right. But I still have to have these checkpoints to make sure that, hey, we are making those layups. Now we can get to working on three pointers. Right. So let's let's not hold them back. I don't want to overwhelm them, but I don't want to under challenge them either. But I have to have some type of checklist. Right. So that's the player. So that's one thing that sets us apart. I think just in general is we have a system. Right. There is something that we are going for and we have checkpoints along the way. From a staff standpoint, we have a great development system and certification system because obviously we have to train them on that. Because my staff is an unbelievable individual basketball resumes. I mean, there were 70 people that worked for me through the spring, right? I got 15 full-time employees that get benefits and retirement and all that stuff, right? They have wives, they have husbands, and they have children. So they are making enough to support their families. So we have to be able to train them in the M14 way, which means we have to create manuals and systems and processes for them to get the certifications, right? Not just from a basketball standpoint, but just from the Overall, how we answer the phones, right? How do we handle these problems, these situations? Because we're in a people business, right? And so you're dealing with people's children. They might end up having a question. They might question the way you're doing stuff. You need to be able to articulate that without the emotion, right? You need to be able to just be confident in what you're doing and be able to explain that. So that's from the player and from the staff standpoint. From the parental standpoint, I think it comes down to communication, right? Like that's a huge frustration from parents is the lack of communication that organizations have to them. And that's regardless of sport, right? It's the community. Yes. So what we end up doing, um, you know, we could start it with email. So we always have what we consider call a welcome email. That's going to go out the Wednesday before your program starts because you might have signed up. You and I both know we signed our kids up for some summer stuff back in February. And we don't okay. forget, you know what I mean? So we need a reminder the Wednesday before, like what time is it at and where we're going? So we send that one, right? But that's all based in our, in our understanding from a staff standpoint and a brand standpoint that we're not one of the five basic needs of living, right? We fall down on that budget line with Doritos and vacations. So if we're not doing our thing right, we'll be the first one out. So we need to make sure we're communicating and over communicating with parents, right? And constantly reminding them who we are, what we're doing, where you're going, what you're getting, right? Uh, we have parent meetings, right? So uh, nice. first, night, first day of sessions, we have parent meetings and we go over what the expectations are, right? We go over the schedule, we go over the rules, Right. We go over all those things. We have an end of the session. Thank you letter we send out to parents. So there is a, a set of communication, whether it's in person or, or virtually uh, or via email that we end up sending out to parents to be able to constantly communicate with them so that they're reassured that they're with, uh, number one, a safe environment for their child. Right. But number two, they know what they're getting. Right. Because that's the big gripe that I have. Now these prices are going up. Right. But the issue I have is not just resting on the, the organization standpoint, but it's also on the parental side, too. Parents don't ask enough questions, right? They just signed up because their friend told them to sign up. Like, but you need, like, we're charging you a thousand bucks. You need to be grilling us on these questions to make sure this is the right fit for your child, right? But then also on the organizational standpoint, we need to tell you because you're not supposed to know. Like, you didn't do, you don't do this full time. We're supposed to be able to tell you this is the way to go about it. This is the way that it works. And now we've been doing this so long. Obviously, we can rest on all of our results that we've been having. 97% of the kids that train with us make their high school teams. Here locally, I put more kids in college than anybody in the state, right? And in Indianapolis, it's the same thing that's happening there. So we have the results now to back everything that we've been doing, right? But now how do you articulate that correctly to the gatekeeper? Because y'all the ones paying. <laughs> we got to make sure we <laughs> directly to you and making sure that that you understand what you're getting and then we then have to plug in that player and that uh staff uh, systems to make sure we're doing everything that we say i like that you have three players in there we have the player the coach and then the parents because parents are a huge and i see it live in youth sports they're either a huge cheerleader or a massive problem and sometimes both at the exact same time 
for organizations, but the information that you're talking about would make a difference for, I think, I think of the, now I'm overgeneralizing, but it's dads mostly in, <laughs> in that I see. Um, and I've spent summer is, is the baseball diamond for us typically. So we're spending a lot of time there. I think of like some of these parents out there, sure. if they had more information, if they knew here's where we are, this is where the skill set is. They're hitting this, they're hitting this, this is what we're working on. I think that would solve 90% well, the issues. here's the thing. We don't believe in the crazy parent here. I'm happy parents are crazy because if you weren't, we wouldn't be in business. Right. So we're fine with that. What you need to do is be able to educate the parent. And what we what we what's very clear is this is not a peer to peer conversation. Right. I don't care that you played. This is and it hasn't been since I was 26 and I was dealing with people that were my age at that point. Right. You don't do this full time. The reason why you're paying me is to do this job. Right. So what I want you to do is just enjoy your kid, enjoy the process. I want you to support them. Right. But you have to trust us. Right. So then we got to earn that. And that's what has to happen every single time we're on the court. We have to continue to earn the respect and the, the trust of parents. Right. In those families. So that's difficult to do that. But that's our culture. That's how we do things here. Right. And so, again, I think it does. To your point, it absolutely comes down to communication. But as many people as I have under my management here locally, as many as we have in Indianapolis, as many as we have in, in Salt Lake, as much as we have in Milwaukee. Um, parents understand the rules and the guidelines. And, and then it's very clear on if they make a decision, if they like it or not. But what I know is, is that you don't like, dislike Coach Andrew or Coach Bobby. You just don't like M14. Cool. I'm fine with that. Everybody don't like McDonald's. I'm okay with that. But it's not <laughs> like, hey, I like this guy because he did it this way. Or I like him because that's not a business, man. Like, that's not how this works. So if you don't like us, you just don't like us. And that's fine, man. We'll move on. We'll do something else. But at the end of the day, we are extremely motivated to make sure that your player has a good experience. Because number one, it's the right thing. But number two, we're not in business if we don't. You know, so that's why I'm saying there's no I, I, don't, I just don't get to this magical genie fairy that it, it doesn't exist, man. At the end of the day, you're training with us to get your kid better in the game, period. So if we get your kid better in the game, then we did a good job. Period. So how are we going to do that? Here's our system of development. Here's our staff qualifications. Here's what we need you to do, parents. So we establish that three way of accountability. And then we're just up front with everybody to tell them how to do it. Upfront is fantastic. Now, magical genies and fairies don't exist, but sometimes I do think Franchise Fastlane does kind of a magical oh, genie. Fairy job. Absolutely, 100%. Fairy job of finding these franchisees, finding these people out there. So, Torn, as you're thinking about this brand and they have strong, their first franchisees that are placed are so strong and they've opened these markets. And obviously the corporate location is just so incredibly strong. What type of franchisees are you looking for in M14 and what does a day in their life look like? Yeah, I'll, I'll utilize Matt to piggyback off of a little bit here as, as I'm new to franchising and, and so is Matt. But I think the beauty of, of M14 is the simplicity of the model, right? The candidates that we're looking for, they're not the ones that are on the court doing the work, right? We need them because of their business acumen, understanding why there are systems and procedures and structures and policies that are in place. They're going to manage that operator who is that basketball person that we're going to hire. So the model's simple. I'm on this balance of, yes, this is it's about basketball, but at the same time, like this is a business opportunity. Yes. If you've got a basketball background, I would go far as to say as a sports background in general, I think you're taking, you're making a mistake by not looking into this people that have leadership roles, operations, backgrounds, marketing backgrounds. But I think if we want to broaden it, it's the people that want to make an impact in their community that have a bunch of community connections are going to be great accelerators of their M14 franchise in their location. And then what does the day-to-day -day look like? Is it is somebody in the business, are they doing the training? Are they doing that? What is a typical day of that franchise? Yeah, so, you know, I, I've, I've heard in franchising that whole semi-absentee word, right? And that's what yeah. wants and all that stuff. Um, you're forced into semi-absentee here. Like, so it's more of a, like, you, know I mean? like, you ain't getting out there training nobody if you're the owner. That's not what we want, right? The whole reason why, why I pivoted into franchising, right? I think that's got to be the core of kind of the understanding. What 
what you find is, again, one of the problems is you're going to end up having people that maybe lack professionalism, communication skills, and, and just some guidance, right? And those people are 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, just like we were not too long ago, right? And so the reason that we like to franchise is because we want somebody who has that business acumen, that professionalism, right? Then they can manage that person, right? So that that is a big reason for wanting to franchise because we need you to pour into that professionalism into that young person, right? So there's a nice little warm fuzzy, not just with the kids, but also with being able to develop somebody, right? And that's, that's great, right? The greatest gift the game has ever given me was to be in service. Right. And so that's a great opportunity for that. Obviously, being able to have the financial backing that purchases that person's time so they can be full throttle into this. Right. So they can help build that business. So what we say is you need that right hand man. Right. You need that person, that, that man, that woman that's going to help you build the business. So what it looks like from a support level and what it looks like day to day, I can go into all that stuff. So from a support level, once you uh, once we hire the person now, we have a fantastic onboarding process right so you'll get a onboarding specialist that's going to help you from literally how do you start your llc or is it better to be an escort all the way to setting up your social media handle setting up your website then we get into hiring that operator i'm actually on the calls hiring the operator with you right we have a three-phase interview process i'm there running it because again it just is about being fair and honest you don't know this business you just purchased it it's a great investment i get it but how are you going to frame this correctly to hire an operator have you hired any basketball trainers before Right. So then let us help you and support you in that, because the number one thing people are going to go to is resume and they're going to go to star. Right. Like, oh, this person was a high major player, this person that we want. Right. Well, let us pour into you the experience and let us just be there with you so we can help guide you. But then we can also help teach you as the owner. How do you run an interview in this realm? Right. The, the, the mistake that people make is, hey, you were successful over here in this industry and you think you could just put it over here in this one. Uh, you got to have a little bit of humility going into it. Take your experience. Let us help you know how to massage that into this business because we want that intellectual capital. That's going to help everybody be better. Right. So, OK, we hire that person. Now they come back for two weeks of uh, certification operator training. The second week of that is when owner training is right, which is a great cultural building moment where you and your operator are going to do your program and marketing calendar, which is going to be, excuse me, for your next season of everything from marketing and programming that you're going to go through, right? After you get back on site, the owner has a once a week call with one of my partners. And we go over the five pillars that help um, build the brand, marketing, uh, programming, staffing, facility, rental, as well as um, finances, right? So once a week, we're going to have that call. We're going to go over those five pillars. Simultaneously, your operator is going to have two, three times a week phone calls with one of my top directors, Right. That's all part of what you're purchasing in their development. Right. And so that's how it's going to go for the first year, because what we don't expect you to know is how do you run a session when you have two third graders, a sixth grade boy and an eighth grade girl? You know, but that's what it's going to look like at first as you evolve into trying to get to that academy standpoint. Right. You don't know how to run that session, Mr. and Mrs. Owner. And that's OK. Let us help you. Let's talk to people that have really done it before and help them learn how to navigate that. Right. So we can co-help. Uh, pour into that individual as they're the face of your brand, right? So what you're going to be doing day to day, number one, you'll have that uh, call once a week. We call them scoreboard meetings that the owner has with their operator, right? And we already have an agenda laid out on what you're going to do. So bare minimum, it's twice a week that you're doing it. Um, you can help out in, in facility rentals, right? And making those phone calls and finding that. Having those community connections is huge because it's not just about that, hey, I'm, I'm the guy that coached the seventh grade team. It's no, my friend or my coworker has a son, or I just know how basketball goes in that area. Maybe I went to high school there. I've just lived in the community long enough that I know how to navigate through it a little bit on the basketball side, right? So you can help out with that. When it comes to marketing, uh, the first thing we do want uh, owners to give out is social media. Social media is a more young person game, you know what I mean? So we'd rather, and then my staff helps manage the social media. Uh, but when it comes to creating the flyers, right, and making sure that they get printed, there's a lot of management that comes. We can't just say like, hey, you got to go hand out flyers at the game. Well, how do you create the flyer? Where do you print it from? Are you doing full page? Or are you doing four on fourth page? Like, what are you doing here? Like, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make that we're going to support you through, right, with doing that stuff. But we got to make sure they get cut and they need and then they get handed out. You can be there, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, and help hand out some flyers. Dustin did that in Milwaukee at first for the first couple of weekends with Mike. Right. Because he wanted to help him know and, and cure a little bit of nerves sometimes of like getting up there and going to hand somebody a flyer. He was there. Dustin was comfortable with that you're a professional. You've done those things before. 
right? So that's not a big deal for a parent to go up and talk to another parent, but maybe a 24 year old, it's intimidating, right? And so just being there to help them through that process is something that, that we want our owners to be able to do. When it comes to updating the website, owners can do that stuff, right? But when it comes to four o'clock into 10, you go to the session and watch, <laughs> but you're not stepping on the court. <laughs> you're not doing any of that stuff, right? That is where your owner, that's where your operator is taking everything on, right? So what we say is we, obviously you're, you're starting a business, right? And so there's going to be some time involved in that, okay? But you're not starting a business that all of a sudden is doing $2 million in revenue right away. So it's really just a limited amount of time that you're going to be able to do anyway. From there, you can transition 90% of the business over to your operator as long as it's done with quality. That's what we always say. Like, as long as you're sure that they can do it, the first thing they have to do is take over phones. No parent wants to talk to you, the owner. They want to talk to the person that's doing the training. So you're forced into semi-absentee with this. You have to be. There's no other option to be, right? But I think you're going to end up doing, you know, 5, 10, 15 hours a week, you know, of work with it. And that's it. <laughs> like you have a full-time employee, right? You've purchased 40, 50 hours of their time to do a lot of the work. So it's not to be lazy. The interesting thing that we found is, yeah, in the beginning, you're making those calls, you're getting the stuff going. And then Milwaukee starts happening where it's like, man, we got 40 kids signed up, man. We got, man, Dustin's on the phone with him all the time. Like he's, he's involved <laughs> because it's fun. Like it's actually working. And you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is being built. Like, man, this is great. I want to be involved. Like you want to be involved, more, but it's still a line that you can't cross. Right. So that's the cool thing about it. It's a cool sport. It's a cool opportunity. Right. But you still can't. There's, you, you're not going to put in 50 hours a week. There's, it's almost impossible to. Forced semi-absentee ownership. I, have, I think I have a lot of clients who could get down with that. So, <laughs> You guys, I have I have two questions left here and they are the questions we always end our podcast with. I will start with you, Torin. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Oh, man. If this was on the list of questions you sent over, I totally missed this one. Um, Sometimes I shock you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think it's in the short time that Matt and I have been working together. And, and yeah, maybe I'm saving face a little bit with him right here on the call with us. But I think some of that is like the experience that he has in hoops. Cause I was, I was the guy that wanted to be, to be in this, but I think there's a lot of things, you know, it's, you can't be in the business and run the business. I think, right, Matt, it's, it's something along those lines. So it's, it's kind of like, I, I hate the whole stay in your lane line, but at the same time, it's like maybe better phrases like know your role. Right. Cause I'm Absolutely. over here like, selfishly like i want to get as many candidates as we can into this like i'm excited it's new it's invigorating for me i love hoops like let's get this thing let's sell 100 candidates in the first two weeks that we can that's like nah like we're good you know three at a time four at a time like this isn't going to be for everybody and and that's okay so i don't know that that's a, a piece of advice necessarily but some well, of the sure stay face with me brother that's all absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Your nose has turned brown, but I think stay in your own lane and know your role is very good. That's very good advice. Now, Matt, I'm going to turn that to you. What is the best piece of advice on or off the court in business or in life that you've ever received? Let somebody else go first so you can be prepared. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, uh, get a mentor. Um, you know, my pro progression in career has been from being a student in classes to now being a teacher in those classes, right? And I always try to be the dumbest kid in the class. Um, I'm, I stay curious. I constantly want to learn. Um, and I constantly challenge those around me to continue to help pour into me to help make me better, right? But you don't want to waste time um, doing something that somebody already knows how to do, right? And so now that I sit in the front of some classrooms, right? And I talk to young people a lot, you need to get a mentor, man, because you're just gonna waste time. And what we don't do here at M14 is waste time, right? Like there's no point, like, why don't you just ask somebody how to do it? And then <laughs> that's how you do it, right? So get a mentor, that's, that's usually the advice that I give and that's the best advice that I've gotten and followed, right? Is, is I try to keep mentors around who have done these things before me. So I'm, I'm just not making time and I can be thoughtful and make my own decisions. Right. But at least you need to have some guidance. And I, I really do think that people are 
um, more willing to help each other than maybe we let on to see on the news or social media and things like that. Like people actually will help you, man. You just have to speak up. <laughs> like you actually got to ask a question. Right. Um, so that's it. That's what I'd say. My dad always says education is cheap. We'll pay for education. Experience is damn expensive. And that's where mentors come in is that they're speaking from experience. And hopefully if you listen, and I think many of us have been there and not listened and then made the expensive mistakes, spent the money, spent the time and had to go down the other path. But mentors certainly save you a lot of that with the wisdom of having been there and done that in the past. Now, both of you guys are relatively newer to franchising. Um, why? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through and I'll, I'll start again. Actually, let me turn it around. I'll start with Matt on this one. What is your personal and compelling reason for being in the franchise industry? Um, so what I, what I think is a lot of businesses, um, you know, have a good product, have a good service, right? But the question is, how do I get that to market? Right. And, and that's a challenge. Right. And I think a lot of good ideas, a lot of good businesses fail because they exhaust all their resources in areas of that battlefield where you're just not good at. Right. And so for us, when I talk to our partnership group, right, I, it's a big fight with us and who decided to ch really go to franchise and who not. I would take credit, whatever. But, you know, one of my arguments for it was, hey, listen, we've all been successful in our own rights. Right. I mean, like there's some all star people on my partnership board that have built a lot of businesses that have become very successful from legal pads. Right. So we've done the work. We know what it is to be on that. Right. But if we aren't seeing some momentum going from this, then we're just going to go back to doing what we're doing. Right. So why don't we offset this to a, a, a great company like Fastlane if we're so accepted with them, which happened, we were right. And this is what they they do well. Right. And, and they do that. What we do well is build businesses. Right. What we do well is systems and operations. What, what Scott and Nick, what, what they do well is finances. What Kelly does well is the onboarding and solving problems. Right. So when I look at it from a team standpoint, we have that aligned. So for me, the reason I'm going into franchising was the best vehicle to take the idea to market. Right. And so now I have been and I'm not I mean, look, Torrin, I, I love you to death, but I'm just being very honest. I've been very impressed with Fastlane's sales process because my big thing, as you said, was like, yo, this is my baby. Like I'm, I, and I'm, look, it ain't just because of franchising. It's hard as hell to work for me here. <laughs> like I'm not just putting people out. I know people talk it, but I'm for real. Like I'm not messing around with what we're going to do for kids. Right. And so when we're talking about inviting other people into the family, Hey, you, you got to really be the right person. You got to follow our championship culture. You got to have those connections. You got to have that passion. What I've been very comfortable with, because you worry about, oh, you're with this sales group. They're just going to try to sell and that's it and blah, blah, blah. Right. It's very thorough. It's very mindful. It's very thought out. And by the time Richard and John ended up coming to confirmation day, I had talked to them three, four, five, six, seven times, right? So it was like a, a meeting of some cousins that hadn't seen each other in a long time at a reunion. It was like, hey, how you doing, right? It was very, very familiar, right? Which for me, put me at ease. I was very comfortable with having them in. And for them, they knew what the expectations were. So I knew it was the right people who wanted to be involved, right? And so that's what I've been uh, very pleased with, but that's the reason why uh, we wanted to do franchising. I love that. I think it is when it's done right and it's executed correctly, it is the only way I could imagine growing a business nationally because you get so many, so many powerful people in one brand when you do it right. Now, I did you a solid here, Torn. I let you think about it. <laughs> what is <laughs> so? I think you did the you... opposite of do me a solid. <laughs> You either have time to today. think about it or you got to follow that. So we you learned today, and I learned at the last conference that we went to that trying to follow up Matt is damn near impossible. So I'd love to default and just say what he said, but I know that I, I, know that I can't do that. I also am not going to sit here and say this is something that I always wanted to do because nine and a half months ago when I got into this, I had no freaking idea what it was. I feel a lot better about things now, but what I love about franchising is it is that balance of like, 
and I was never a sales guy. My last four and a half years before I came into this was spent in sales. Yeah, there's good money in sales. It is what it is. Nobody's going to lie about that. That's why businesses are, are around, right? But for me, it's like, it's this, it's the relationship building, it's the networking. And as I've learned, like people are, have dreams of owning a business and some people know they want to run a franchise and have had that kind of in the back of their mind as long as they've lived. Others don't think about it until people like you, Sam, reach out to them and say, hey, look at what you're doing now. Here's what you can do to get started so that you can exit the day-to-day grind that we all generalize as corporate America. And so kind of understanding like, man, this is like we are helping people accomplish their dreams makes you feel really good at the end of the day, too. It is the dream. I think business ownership is the dream for so many people. And I think most people don't think about franchising. I mean, I sat around long enough waiting for my million dollar idea. It never came. It still hasn't come. And in the meantime, I've been a part of three different franchises and that has become the dream. And so many clients say to us, well, why would I do that? Why would I do a franchise? I have X amount of experience in this and that. And you know what you're getting the cost of the territory people usually associate with zip codes or an area or a market, a county, whatever they're getting. And we always say, no, 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 that territory costs. Yes, that's ownership of that. But what you're doing by being a part of the franchise is you're buying experience. You're buying mistakes. You're in buying camaraderie. You're being awarded all of those things if you're a fit, because at the end of the day, you can't buy a franchise. You are awarded a franchise. And we talk to our clients about that all of the time because it's a business marriage. You are becoming a part of somebody's family and That's what I love the most. And I think you guys hit on that. And I'm just so incredibly excited to see what you're going to build with M14 in communities, with kids, with trainers, with franchisees across the United States. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. And I think we made it through without any massive hiccups running all of this with me behind the wheel. So Thank you, Jesus, as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate you guys. It was, it was awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com to take your free business assessment. Mm -hmm.